What's good, people? It's your boy Caesar here, and this is an episode of the Hybrid Club. Hope all is good. If you take a look on Google Maps right now and zoom in on London, you will see that it is very much glowing a healthy red because North London is red. In fact, the whole of London is, was, and will always be red. It's your boy Caesar here. You know where to find me at Caesars, C E A S E S A Y S, and this is an episode of the Hybrid Club. You know where we are on the socials at the Hybrid Club. What is there to say? Like you all, I have been basking in the glow of a North London derby victory against the scum that are Tottenham Hotspur. And I am here to talk about that wondrous, glorious, beautiful victory. Now, of course, we know we haven't won there at their stadium. I mean, the toilet bowl is is relatively new, but we haven't won at a Tottenham ground since 2014, since that glorious goal from Thomas Rizicki after he received pulled back from Oxlade Chamberlain. Fantastic strike as it was. We haven't won there since. Um, in this fixture, the home team seems to get the upper hand. So we've done quite well at our home, not done so well on our travels over there and down Seven Sister Road. So I've got to say, it does feel good to wake up knowing that we did the business against them at home and then went to their ground and absolutely dominated them. Um, this is a fixture that causes no end of stress. No matter how good we are, you know, we, we went into this game five points clear of City. Um, City lost to United on Saturday. And I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking, we're better than them. We've been better than them for a while now. They finished ahead of us last season, a couple of points ahead of us mostly down to the fact that by the time we got to the end of the season, you know, half our players were injured playing on one leg. You know, um, we lost the game to them, lost to Newcastle, and, you know, they got there ahead of us. We know how last season ended, but we were better than them last season. We are better than them this season. We are so far ahead of them, it's unreal. So you go into this game and you think, surely, surely we've got to do it today. But then that thing happens where you start to talk yourself about all the different reasons why it could go wrong, the counter-attack in football, you know, Conte's experience as a manager, Harry Kane and his goals, you know, he's going to start breaking records. And of course, it's against us, so he's going to do it. And then, you know, Son, counter-attack, top corner, Rocket, or Kuliseski's back from injury. Oh, no, they've got their forward line put together, blah, 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 blah. Honestly, when you look at what our team is doing this season, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Um and look at the age that they're doing that as well. You know, Ramsdale, 24, Saliba, 21, Gabriel's hit 25, Benjamin White's hit 25, Bakayo Saka's 21, Erdegaard's 24, Martinelli, 21, Eddie, 23, the likes of Smith Rowe, 22, Vieira, 22, even Tomiyasu, 24. We're in a place where, you know, we've got some, we've got some really good players at some really, really good ages. And so, um, you expect us you expect us to go out in there and win, but you sometimes forget what we're going out there and winning with. So I'm going into this game and I'm thinking to myself, Arteta tactics versus Conte tactics. You know, uh, styles win fights, as they say. And um, I think looking back at this game, if you were from another planet and beamed down and you sort of got, you know, someone explained football to you and, you wouldn't know which one of these managers is the experienced winner and which one is the somewhat rookie manager from what you saw um, in terms of what those two teams were sent out to do. And I'm going to talk a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about 
how the game went down and just why tactically this game suited us. I mean, I've got to say first things first. Like I said, you go into the derby, you hate it, your stomach's in knots, you're tense, you're stressed. But then the team news comes out. And this is the Spurs starting at 11. Hugo Lloris, Christian Romero, Eric Dyer, Clement Longley, Matt Doherty, Pape Sarr, Pierre-Emil Hjoiberg, Ryan Sessegnon, Kulisevsky, Son and Kane. Now, you have Hugo Lloris in goal, which credit to him, you know, he's he's had a, a, a decent career and, you know, won himself a World Cup of France, which is fantastic for him, obviously. But like as a goalkeeper, he is he has never been a goalkeeper that worried me at all. They have Eric Dyer in central defence. We know from our experience early on in the um, Arteta era why certain players get put at the middle of a back three. They've got Eric Dyer and he has Romero to one on one hand and Longley on the other hand. Eric Dyer as your centre back in the in your central defender in a back three. There's central midfield of Pape Sarr and Pierre Emil. Hoiberg. Um, that is not a midfield. That's a midfield screen, but that's not a ball player midfield. Um, Pape Sar, credit to him, you know, I think it was his first start in the Premier League debut, did well considering, but that's not a midfield to play ball, which tells you that they basically gave up midfield. And then you've got, you know, your midfield flanked by Doxy and Sessignon. The less said about Doherty, the better. And Sessignon, decent player, but decent, just decent. So when I saw that and I I thought to myself, yeah, their front line is pretty dangerous. Um, But no, that team is not a team that we should be worried about at all. And so you kind of got a sense for what was going to happen here. The, The whole game plan was for them to just sit, screen, get the ball to, you know, Kulisevsky to whip something into Kane or get the ball to Kane for him to whip a ball around the corner for Son or Kulisevsky to run onto. It was purely a game of counterattacking to our space and see if they can exploit the space um, in behind uh, our our fullbacks, the, you know, try and exploit the space vacated in our defensive fast spaces. And we know, because we're 18 games into the season, that every team realistically every team who's tried that so far has failed the only team Premier League wise who's had any success is Manchester United and even then it wasn't so much that the counter-attack exploited us is actually the the player who was playing Lokonga who was playing the deep lying uh, midfielder in that game wasn't standing in the right place to block the pass from Ericsson to Fernandez. And so Fernandez was then able to play the pass for Rashford to run onto. So it wasn't really counter-attack per se, more so the positioning that lets down rather than, um, you know, the sort of inner, the ability to run in behind. The, the running in behind only happened because the person wasn't there to screen the pass. Teams have tried and tried and tried to clip balls over the top into our defensive half spaces behind our fullbacks. And it just hasn't worked because we have brilliant defenders, brilliant um, positioning, athletic, able to recover, pace, strength, the full package. So I saw that team and I thought, I don't really care about history. We should not be losing to this team. We just shouldn't. 
And then I saw our team. I mean, before I move on to our team, they, you know, their bench, Emerson Royale, Davison Sanchez, we're talking, you know, Ben Davies, rocks in the heads. Um, Perisic was a good player, now is a decent player. Oliver Skip, I don't care what they say, not interested. Basuma, why he went to Spurs and what he's doing in the Spurs team, I don't know. Um, Brian Hill, as I said on the preview pod, um, talented, technically gifted, but not enough for me to worry. Richarlison, what has he got? One Premier League goal? Good player, but coming back from injury, and to be honest, is mostly just a wind-up merchant. But then you go to our team. Aaron Ramsdale should be England's number one. Benjamin White, William Saliba, Gabriel Magalhaes, Alexander Sinchenko, Martin Odegaard, Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka, Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, Eddie Nketiah. Now, realistically, that is a team that should be winning at White Hart Lane. And our bench, again, we know what we need. We know what we're missing. Um, you don't think we're going to win this game off our bench. It's very much our starting eleven who has to win this game. Matt Turner on the bench. Tommy Asu, Rob Holding, Tierney, Smithrow, Matt Smith, Fierro, Lokonga, Marquinhos. So for me, one of the key things that's going through my mind when I see the starting lineups is first goal wins. Um, we are going to be attacking the uh, five attacker channels that we usually occupy. We're going to be pushing up high. We're going to be trying to connect our players, create those triangles, move the ball around the front of their um, their defensive block, trying to exploit the space that, that's created when we move them around and see if we can't create something to take advantage of. We've got the players to do it. Like I said, they're going to be trying quick passes, whip the ball in behind, get the ball straight to Kane, Son or Kudusevsky. No messing around, direct football. So because they tend to score, you know, in the second half games, 27 of their 37 goals coming in the second half, and because we have been known to start well, for me, it's very simple. We win this game in the first half by starting well, or they come into the game in the second half and we risk losing it. So that's why I wanted to see a fast start. And Spurs started decently, I think, to say. But realistically, we're talking the first five minutes. After that, we completely snuffed them out. It's 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 a game that when it started and we got our foot on the ball and we started passing it around, you realise that they cannot see us. Footballistically, they cannot see us. Ultimately, quality tells, right? You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can talk to me about the history of the fixture and not won this since 2014, blah, blah, blah. But when the players put their foot on the ball, you saw the difference in football quality. The quality told, and we are a better football team than them. And it is that simple. Um, you could see pretty early on Spurs were trying to go for those big switches in behind. Um, so we it took us a few minutes to get our foot on the ball. But when we did, different beast though, different quality. Um you know, Eddie got a chance of it early on, um, and it was going to be an important game for him. It was going to be an important game for our spine, to be honest. Um, he got a ball, a, a chance early on, I think he could have done a bit better with, but when you see it back, you kind of get why. Um, there was a bit of a poor passing party. One of few. Um, one of very few, to be honest. Uh, this was a very, very good game for him, actually. The Spurs defence collected the ball and played it across to Lloris. Martinelli pressured Lloris into making a mistake. Simultaneously, Erdegaard was pressing Longley. Now, 
Erdegaard is a brilliant presser. We talk a lot about him on the ball, his technical quality, his passing, his intelligence. His pressing is fantastic. He curves his run to block off the pass that the defender wants to play. So Longley tried to play the pass, hits Erdegaard, bounces in the air. Martinelli's able to hook it in the box over Dyer. Eddie's able to sidestep Romero, who slips, um, but just doesn't get enough conviction on the shot to beat Lloris. But we are putting them under pressure. Um, the way we're passing the ball, the way we're moving it, the way our midfield's connecting, the way our fullbacks are pushing up to help our midfield, the way that then pushes our, our uh, you know, five attacking channels forward, it's exactly what we've been doing all season. And that's the beautiful thing about it. We don't have Jesus there. But we're doing exactly what we did. And a big part of that is credit to Eddie in terms of how he's improved the other parts of his, his game. He needed to be sprinting into position to receive the ball so it's not bouncing off him so that he's able to receive it when he wants it to be able to turn and go, give it and go quickly. Not jogging and jogging and getting there late and it's bouncing off him or he's not able to get under control. He did really well this, this game um, to do that. The whole team did. Zinchenko stepping into midfield, his passing, the way he's able to connect fantastic all of it was absolutely brilliant we fully deserved our first goal um funny enough the first goal again talking about a couple of dodgy moments for party in an otherwise brilliant game he nearly loses the ball out to kane in a very dangerous position and it is sometimes the very small margins at the highest level that really can make the difference um fortunately he doesn't he gets the ball back from a teammate and floats a beautiful pass to Bakayo Saka, who's played on by Romero. Saka's running down the right. Um, Sessignon's the man covering him. Saka's able to sort of pick up the ball. Um, he's not on the touchline. He's further in forward. He's able to face up to Sessignon. Sessignon doesn't get close enough. He seems to be trying to um, show him down the right. Saka's like, fine, show me down the right. I'll go down the right. Um, and so... Saka goes down the right, whips in that shot, uh, well, that cross, sorry, and it just hits Lloris on the chest and he flaps at it and it goes into the net. Now, it's clear he's got a little bit of backspin on it, but it comes off um, Sessignon's foot. Either way, goalkeepers are built for this. They train for this and Lloris fucked it. But that being said, he fucked it because it was good work by Saka who had the bravery and intelligence to take the ball, drive at Sessignon and whip it in the way he did. Fantastic. Um I don't know what Larissa was thinking, to be honest. I wouldn't pay a penny for his thoughts because it just wouldn't be worth it. But whatever was going through his mind, I have no idea. To be honest, he's washed. He's done. He's done at the highest level. You know, I, I have no idea. For me, Spurs should have replaced him three years ago. Genuinely, I have no idea what he's still doing there. I hope they keep him for another three, to be honest, because he's just terrible. But with that one goal... You just saw we were hungry. We were on them. It was a free lunch and we were having our fill. Um, Spurs had a moment. They had a moment. And they had a couple of moments in the first half, but really we were all over them. Um, they actually had um, that one moment. I think it was the Son chance. Sessignon collects the ball um, from the left-hand side, runs to the centre of zone 14. Son makes the run centrally into the box through the middle of our defence, and Sessegnon does a reverse pass. Kulisevsky leaves it, um, and Son shot is saved low by Ramsdale. What was great about that moment, though, is that Sessegnon would have had a straight run on Ramsdale um, from that pass, had it not been for Bukayo Saka. If you look at that, it's actually Bukayo Saka who tracks the run all the way from the attack 
all the way back into the box. Um, our defence is too narrow. So it's actually Saka's pressure on Cessna that sends him inwards. Um, there was a bit too much ball watching, but fantastic uh, run on the cover by by Saka. And that just shows, again, the brilliant work this team does, not just going forward, but also going backwards. Um, it was, just, yeah, I mean, it was just, we. there was a lot to talk about in that first half in terms of stuff that was really, really good. That was brilliant. Um, absolutely loved it. Ha- if there's no talking about the first half without talking about uh, Martin Odegaard, though, the guy this season is just sensational. I mean, his football is fantastic. He obviously got a goal today. Spurs got the warning sign. Um, you know, he managed to collect the ball from Saka earlier on, shot 25 yards out. Um, decent height for Luis, decent save for once from him. It's definitely a sign of things to come. But the way Odegaard was running the game. Um, in that right eight position was just fantastic. Honestly, give the ball, go, movement, move people around, connect the, connect the play, keep it moving. Um, it was just really fantastic to see, honestly. Another player who was phenomenal, Zinchenko. Now, here's the thing. I remember hearing uh, City players talk about how good he was, how technically gifted he was, and you you know it and you can see it, but you just don't. It doesn't jump off the page in a city team that's so full of technical quality, because um, they all just look technically gifted. So you don't realize how good he is. But there was something about the way he walked into the team when we signed him, and the way he spoke and the authority he spoke with, that just let you know he was walking in to be a star. He was walking in to to deliver and to be a main fixture in this side. And then you watch him play. And you understand just how good he is. I mean, watching Zinchenko play is like watching someone solve a Rubik's Cube in 10 seconds flat. He receives the ball, he's under pressure, and you can just see him working through the puzzle. Sort of, you could just see the cogs moving. And he just, yep, nope. When you think I'm going to pass there, I'm just going to turn, shift my body weight, and pass it out of pressure. And you're done. And you think that he's. He's going to be pressed off the ball and he just unlocks the the team and we're able to just flow forward. It's Sometimes it's incredibly simple. Sometimes it's just shifting his body weight, moving to the side and playing the pass at a different angle than you expect. Other times it's just a sidestep, played through, keeps moving, sort of one, two, receives it on the other end. Whatever it is, it just unlocks the team. It's fantastic. Um, and just when he's, you know, he's helping us get out of pressure in our defensive half spaces. Next thing you know, he's in central midfield, moving the ball along, helping with progression. Next thing you know, he's on the edge of the area in the left eight space, connecting with Martinelli and 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 Chaka. It's fantastic. I mean, um, at one point in the half, you and there's some images floating around online of this, you see Zinchenko um, and Ben White flanking party on the edge of the Spurs area. It's just incredible and that that box that that creates with our um front five that just maintains that pressure on spurs constantly which makes it so difficult for them to break out um we've been doing it all season brilliantly and we carry on doing it and it's fantastic and in fact you see that moment right up until the the party volley that just rocks the crossbar now if that goal had gone in he would have two contenders for goal of the season, both goals against Spurs. 
that volley was ridiculous. I'm surprised genuinely that the Tottenham Stadium didn't collapse after that shot hit the bar. You could hear the whack as it hit the woodwork. Ridiculous volley. Um, But dominance, chances, you need the second goal. You need the second goal because you know in the second half, Spurs, um, you know, they'll step up the gears. They're, I don't want to say they're a second-half team because it's a bit of a misnomer, but you know they're going to come in the second half and it's usually because they're fucking shit and they're trailing and so they have to push on to try and get a goal in the second half. But 27 out of 37, like we said. So you need the second goal. You need that cushion. You need, you know, distance and a buffer so that you can play your football and play your passes and control the game so you can deal with the pressure that you know is going to come. And we got that second goal. Um, Before we did, one thing I do want to talk about before I talk about the second goal, actually, is I was mentioning the box that we kind of create when you have Zinchenko and White sort of pushed up with party and the five in front of them and how it boxes in the majority of Spurs players. And I told you with Spurs' tactics, like we all know, they're going to try and whip in those quick balls. Um, You know, for example, Loris might play it to long leg. Long leg might give it to Hoiberg. Hoiberg will give it to Kane, who's dropped deep, and Kane will try and whip the ball in behind for Son. Something like that. Um, the amount of times Spurs try to play quick balls in behind us and Saliba just, boom, comes up, takes the ball away from Kane, gives it to Party, and off we go again. Or, boom, there goes Gabriel, takes the ball of Kulisevsky, gives the ball to Zinchenko, off we go again. The amount of times they tried to um, play through us or do a quick uh, ball um, to Kulisevsky, Kane or Son. The amount of times Gabriel Saliba stepped into midfield to cut that ball out, which allowed us to regain the ball and maintain pressure, was incredible. It was such a crucial part of how we were so successful in that first half. It has to be mentioned. They did an incredible job um, with that. And with our ability to maintain pressure, we were able to go 2 know up. Um, it's interesting, right? Because we talk about how important um, Ramsdale, and we'll talk about Ramsdale because man, the the match for the game, but so important to how we play. We talk a lot about his range of passing. Um, today, he gets the credit for his shot stopping, but one of the reasons I want to talk about the range of passing is because it, it helps as a healthy reminder as to why having someone of that ability is so important to what Arteta is trying to do and why the team that Arteta has built is built so intelligently. Um, and he deserves so much credit along with Edu and Vinay and the rest of the the, the, the staff there. Um, when you look at the second goal, right, Ramsdale is such a range of passing. The side where the kick straight to, you know, um, Partey's feet in the middle of the pitch or, you know, the arrowed balls to Martinelli that he just brings down beautifully or the lofted ball into Saka, which he takes down on his chest as he backs into his man. He's got all these different passes that he can play, um, but also his ability to play out um, from the back. And you see playing out from the back becomes so important because if you if you don't have those arrowed passes or those sidewinding passes or the sidewinding passes or those daisy cutters, if you don't have that range of passing, you do what Lloris did. A big hoof upfield in the hope that your big man wins it. Well, Lloris does a big kick upfield and the header's won by Saliba again. Party 
surrounded by three Spurs players, gets his head up and gets the ball to Saka on the right. Saka runs, and as he does, because he's Bukayo Saka, because he's the man, because he's our star boy, he takes three Spurs players with him. He's able to give the ball to Erdegaard, who's now free 25, 30 yards out, and he just fires a show lot. Uh, he fires a shot low, straight into the bottom corner. Loris is nowhere near it. It's not even right in the corner either, which is another testament to how Loris is just fucking bang average, but whatever. It's a fantastic shot. Um, a brilliant goal. Like we said, Erdegaard was sort of lining that up, shot, shot up a bit earlier. He managed to get off, and it's fucking fantastic. We go 2-0 up, and we fucking deserve it. And that's the thing about what I was saying earlier about quality tells, right? You've got a goalkeeper who just hoofs upfield, hoping their big man will get it, compared to our keeper who knows exactly how to um, play the passes we need them to play. Um, you've got our defenders who are organised and able to regain possession and get it to us, versus their defenders who just you know, like five-year-olds playing football where they just run towards the ball and aren't even thinking about positioning on the pitch because how the fuck do you leave Martin Odegaard alone on the edge of the area? What the fuck are you thinking? No, don't worry about defending. Just leave him alone on the edge of the area because who the fuck is Martin Odegaard, right? Madness. But that's what we do and that's what they do. That's why we're top and that's why they're shit. I think there is um, a lot to be said about just the quality of this side and how it's been built. Um, I really do think we need to take some time to really think about the turnover in squad, the players we had versus the players we have and how much work has gone into building the squad we currently have. Um, a lot of people were very skeptical about some of the players who were moved on and the way it was done and some people should have been kept and blah, blah, blah. Look at how we're balling. Look at how we're playing. The fact that we have this squad, this cohesive, this coherent, this intelligent, you know, this much specificity, this much technical, te technical security, tactical intelligence, nous, fight. I mean, it it's incredible. Before this game, there was all the talk about the discipline issues and everything else. What did you see in this game? I saw composure. I saw restraint. Nobody dived in. No stupid challenges. Didn't give the ref a decision to make brilliant and i and i love the fact that we've got to this place um there was a lot of pain to get here a lot of hard work the club deserved the credit if you give them the criticism when it's bad give them the credit when it's good and they've done very very well to get us here we've not done anything yet we've not achieved anything yet but to be in this position halfway through the season credit where credit's due we would have we would have done unholy unspeakable things to be in this position a couple of years ago here we are, bask in it, enjoy it, love it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I mean, the first half pretty much ended with us in control. Spurs did get one moment um, where Zinchenko lost out to Hoiberg. I spoke on a preview pod about this. It's something we see all the time with Spurs where they'll get the ball in sort of the half spaces and they're whipping crosses at awkward angles, either for a player to, to get on the end of um, or to quit, cause havoc in the box. Um, in this instance, Hoiberg won the ball and whipped in a sort of dangerous cross from an awkward angle. Kane got the header on it and it was saved at the near post by Ramsdale. A really, really good save, actually. And one of the um, many saves um, and actions Ramsdale um, was, was responsible for in this game that helped us maintain our lead and get the victory. 
as I say, we're not done talking about Ramsdale, but that was a brilliant save. Half time came. We're two 0 up. We're comfortable. We're the better team. Um, like I said, Spurs were trying to go for them big switches in behind, but they were being cut out all the time by Saliba and Gabriel. Um, Zinchenko was doing brilliantly to get us out of trouble and then move forward up the pitch to help with build up and and to maintain pressure. Erdegaard was doing fantastically in connecting our, our different pieces in terms of attack and midfield to keep the pressure up. Big saves by Ramdell. Great work by Saka in terms of the first goal. Brilliant shot with Erdegaard for the second goal. Um, Parsi has their entire midfield on strings by himself. It's just a ridiculous level of quality of football that we're playing. It's just sensational, really. Um, but we know that they're going to apply pressure in the second half. Um, so we need to be ready. Uh, I I don't know what you guys were thinking at halftime. All I was thinking was get your foot on the ball and just move it about. Just if you can, just keep the ball moving so that they don't have too much time on the ball and they're not able to build up momentum and pressure because we know that they're not very good at the whole, you know, football thing. They're very good at big, big hoofs, big kicks, you know, maybe the odd log, log rager or just whipping in dangerous crosses. But the actual playing the football thing isn't really their thing. But one thing I did notice at the start of the second half was Kane was getting way, 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 way too much space. Now, as much as it pains me to admit it, he's a talented footballer, so he knows how to drop into that space between the defence and midfield. But he was getting way too much of it. Um, you know, early on in the, early on in the game, he came deep, got the got the ball, played it to Kulusevski. He whips a, a a shot which curls over. Again, a few minutes later, Kane gets some space. He receives the ball on the edge of the box. Um, the loose ball gets uh, allows him to turn Shaq, and he runs to the edge of the area. Um, his shot across goal, Ramsdale saves. Spurs came out decent in the second half, but like this is just purely about Kane getting space on the edge of the area. He's dropping in space again. Um, no one's getting to him. Um, there's a minute, I think around 50, the 51st minute, Saliba wins a duel um, against Son on the right. He His uh, pass is cut out by Sessegnon, who steals the ball. He gives it to Kane, who's, uh, who parties lost track of him. Uh, party tries to st- stretch to cut out the ball from Sessegnon, can't get there. Kane slips in Sessegnon for the return. And the low shot is brilliantly saved by Ramsdale. It's going bottom corner. Ramsdale shoves his feet out, gets the block on the shot, another save, another crucial moment. And then you get that brilliant image where where Ramsdale stood over Sostignor and letting him know, giving him the business, you got to love it. But I'm at that point, I'm thinking we can't keep giving Kane this space. At some point, he can punish us with it. Um, he never did. Spoiler. But he was getting too much space. Um, there was another moment he collects the ball on the edge of the box, goes to the edge of the area, he plays in Kulisevsky and his shot cross curls um, sort of across the face of the goal. Dangerous cross. Someone could have gone on the end of it. At this point, I'm like, oh, man, we really need to do something about this. Um, I mean, but I say all of that. There's some really, really good defending here, um, which is why... Uh, Spurs is only tactic is to just keep lobbing balls into the box. There was, a, I think, one moment where Gabriel's defending against Kane. He doesn't allow himself to get rolled. Um, he blocks a shot, no foul, no handball. Um, the ball comes back in. The follow-up's headed out brilliantly by Saliba. It was some great defending. 
this fixture in the past has seen Spurs get too many easy penalties, easy fouls, given the ref decisions to make. We didn't do that here. The defending was composed. It was intelligent. It was adult, grown-up defending. And after years and years and years of naive, stupid defending against them, it was so refreshing to see such young players deliver such um, a mature defensive display, particularly when we needed it. Um, and all I'm thinking is, look, we just have to keep shuffling our feet. When we're in our sort of low block, mid block, keep shuffling our feet, our feet, protect the half spaces between the wide plays and the fullbacks, the fullbacks and the centre backs, because they're not playing for us in the middle. They don't have the players for it. Like I said, you know, their 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 central midfielders are not playing through anyone. And they don't have a number 10 who can do what Odegaard does. So they're not playing through us. The best case scenario is they're going to work it wide and whip in awkward angle, crosses from awkward angles. That's it. There, it's the only game. That's their only tactic. Um, so we just have to keep doing what we're doing and eventually we'll get our chance. And we did get a chance. We managed to win the ball, break forward, Shaka's running through and he plays a fantastic ball to Eddie. At some point, we are all going to sit down and have a very real conversation about Granite Shaka because if you'd have told me Granite Shaka would be playing like this, if you'd have told me this a few years ago, I would have said, you're having a fever dream. You're clearly unwell. You need help. See a doctor. Not because Shaka wasn't a good player, but I just wouldn't have expected to see him balling out of control like this to the point where Shaka being Shaka being this good it's just widely accepted by Arsenal fans across the board. Like There is no one talking about Shaka in a negative way right now. No one with any sense. The ball he plays to Eddie is phenomenal. It's perfectly timed. He waits and waits. He lets Eddie get some distance. He lets Eddie stay on side, floats the ball in perfectly. And Eddie's touch just lets it roll across him a little bit. Um, the pass gets better every time you see it. I'm serious. But unfortunately, because Eddie's touch... Just lets him down a little bit. Shot saved by Luis when he's one-on-one. He really needs to have scored that. Um, at that point, Spurs bring on Michalison and they take off Doherty. They go for a system change, more of a 4-2-4. So they completely abandon any, any, any semblance of pretense that they want to play a game of football. There's no chance that they have no midfield. It's basically, we've got a couple of people who are defending and we're just throwing everyone forward and we're just going to keep whipping in crosses. And at some point we're going to score. That was their only tactic. And considering Antonio Conte is an incredibly successful manager, the fact that his only tactic was to whip in crosses wide speaks not only to the ridiculous way that this squad is built and used, it speaks to the complete lack of ingenuity in terms of him tactically. If this does not work, what does he have? What does he do? Um, compare that to us. We have so many different angles that we can attack from, so many different ways we can we can problem solve. Um, and now we have intelligence and we have maturity to boot. So we don't we not only have talented players, we not only have different skill sets. We're now using our head as well. Um, there was great work by Odegaard, for example, to win a free kick around the seventy second, seventy second minute. Um, Eddie was bringing the ball down, beautiful rainbow flick, good work on um, wide on the right, runs infield, um, Dyer brings him down, um, Erdegaard gets his body in front of Lengley to win the free kick, and it's great play, great play by Eddie, great play by Erdegaard, alleviates pressure, we win a free kick high up. 
you know, they have to then bring on Perisic and Basuma for what? To do what at this point? Later on, they bring on the likes of Heal and to do what? I really liked what we did, though. Um, we brought on Tierney for Martinelli, I believe, and played Tierney higher up in front of Zinchenko before Zinchenko later off, later went off for, for Tommy Asu. And the beautiful thing about that was Tierney's pressing up front um, did really good work, worked really hard. It shows you what we don't have. It shows you what we need. Um, Smith Rowe came on a bit later on, and obviously he'll have more minutes in that um, in that position. But obviously, given the nature of the game and how hard we had to work and the physical toll, we have to be careful of how we use Smith Rowe for the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, credit to Annie to how hard he worked because it's, it was an important job he did when he came on. But you know when we got to sort of the 80-something minute, other than one moment where the ball kind of ping-ponged around the area, um, they didn't really have anything. Yeah, um, and I think you'll know the moment I'm talking about, the sort of the ball was just bobbling around. We couldn't clear it. They couldn't get a shot off. Eventually, it was saved after a tame shot um, to Ramsdale. But even in that moment, it's back to what I said. No one dived in. No one gave the ref something to think about. No decisions for VAR. Even if there wasn't, as much composure, there was definitely restraint. We weren't doing the dumb things we used to do. There was no Mustafi moment where a player goes flying in. There was no Cedric moment where, you know, he goes flying in. None of that. Um, I really did love the fact we were able to really be as composed as we were. And look, for the rest of the game, like I said, once I hit the 80-something minute, you knew we were going to win. You knew we were going to run this out and it was perfectly done. The game ended with a ball floated in for Ramsdale to collect, apt way to end. Spurs trying to float in crosses to no one. Um, Ramsdale faced seven shots, made seven saves. XG faced 2.41. Tells you everything you need to know. Game ended 2-0. We win. Nature is healing. Life is restored. There is balance in the world. St. Tottering's Day is surely around the corner. It's a shame about the, how the game did end with the spectator trying to kick Ramsdale, but I'm sure he'll be dealt with. And while he'll be telling all his mates about how he got a good kick in on Aaron Ramsdale and blah, 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 eventually the police are going to knock on his door and he's going to end up with an assault charge banned for life from football stadiums. And for what? To look like a dickhead. To look like an actual dickhead. So well done to that dickhead. But yeah, I'm sure if you haven't already got that knock on your door, it's coming. So enjoy all of that. Um, but it was great to see the players, you know, rally together in that moment. It was great to see Ramsdale not get riled up by Richarlison. Um, it was great to see Arteta come, get the players, take them over to the fans, get Shaka, take him over to the fans, um, and watch the fans just celebrate and enjoy the moment because that's what it's about. I know everyone's thinking about transfers and, you know, potential title charges and all this other stuff, but like, you beat your rivals in their own ground. You know, you get a player like Martinelli, you know, chucking uh, your flag up on, on the cameras so they're dangling above the, the, the pitch. You know, it just, this is what football is about. It's about these moments, right? So if you if you can't take time to enjoy a North London derby win because you're too obsessed with who we do buy or don't buy, I don't know what to tell you. This is what football really is about. You know, I said at the start of the season, if you go back to the early pods, I was always being very consistent that the theme for me for this year was 
enjoy the ride, whatever happens. Um, I was saying that in preseason. I was saying that in the first games of the season, and I'm saying it again, and I'll keep saying it. Enjoy the ride. Look at Liverpool. You know, they were in the wilderness. Jurgen Klopp comes. He builds a title winning team. They win Champions League. One of the best teams in the world. They're absolutely flying. They're beating all comers. And now look at them. It comes, it goes. What you need to do is enjoy the ride, support your team. And when you beat your rivals, rub it in their fucking faces because that's how football works. That's it for me for part one. I'll be back in part two. We'll talk about some of the stats and just some of the key things we saw and witnessed. Welcome to part two of the Hybrid Club podcast. Hope you enjoyed part one. Um, do get in contact with us at any time. You know, questions, thoughts, suggestions. Um, really good to hear from you all. Really appreciate all the listeners. Um, yeah, it's it's quite fun doing these. You know, I just do it for kicks, do it for fun. Um, but it's always good to kind of hear from people and then just see uh, how people are doing. But anyway, part one, we spoke about the game. Part two, just want to talk about some of the thoughts, um, stats, and just general musings after such an incredible win. Um, stressful just because it's a North London derby. So when is it not stressful? But when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, we were so much better than them. So much better. And they had one trick and they couldn't pull it off. So... We were not really in any real danger other than in one or two moments. And in those moments, Aaron Ramsdale was there to save the day. Um, Stats from Statman Dave. Aaron Ramsdale game, 36 touches, seven shots faced, seven saves, six saves from close range, four long balls completed, 2.41 XG face, two high claims, two clearances, one punch zero goals conceded he'll be very happy with his uh clean sheet bonus after that um it really really impressive i mean spurs had something like 17 shots seven shots on target they had seven shots on target he made seven saves like i said seven, six of those from close range it's not just about his distribution it's not just about his personality he's also a very very good shot stopper you remember the game from last season against leicester away where he showed that he is a very, very good goalkeeper, um, has his moments, but I do think some of the better goalkeepers do have their moments. Um, but he's just so good. And I just, I, I remember when we were linked with him, you know, the price tag, everyone was saying, why the hell do we spend that much money on him? And that kind of thing. Now look at him. Now look at him very much wearing the number one shirt. And he is very much the number one goalkeeper. Brilliant, brilliant game from him. So pivotal to the win. Um, I hope he's enjoying it because he, he like the rest of the players, deserved it. To be honest, I could sit here and talk about the entire team and, and their contribution uh, to that win because everyone was phenomenal. There was not one person who let the side down. Um, and ultimately, you know, we say, oh, all we want is players who show commitment. You know, as fans, that's not all we want. We want players to be super talented, to be super committed, to love the club, to work hard, to not make mistakes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like the expectation from fans on players is a lot. It is a lot. Don't get me wrong. Yes, they get paid a lot of money, yada, yada, yada. But there is a lot expected of them, particularly when it comes to derby games, particularly in North London derby. This is not like, you know, this isn't Liverpool Everton, right? This isn't that kind of derby. This isn't like Chelsea Fulham. 
this isn't that, you know, North London Derby is, is a lot. Um, and yeah, when you see players like Rams, they'll come big like they did. Yeah. Credit to him, credit to him. But, you know, talking about that game and just talking about some of the stats, I found it quite interesting because from an eye test point of view, I just thought we were the better team, you know, tough for victory, but we were hands down the better team. They can't match us when it comes to football. They don't want to play football with us. Maybe rugby, you know, maybe dodgeball. But they, they, they don't want to play football with us. They clearly don't. They can't. They don't have the place for it. They don't have the minerals and they don't have the facilities. They can't see us. And so I wondered whether the stats kind of bore that out. And it's quite interesting, actually, because um, the stats will tell you the quality told. We're the better team and we won because we had the quality. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I mean, right? So with a lot of our games this season, it's sheer dominance, pressure, passes, shots, chances, goals. We're the better team. We outplay them. We, we you know, we outpossess them. We just, it's like Zach Brannigan from Futurama, just wave after wave after wave of attack until we wear them down and win. Um, but look at this, you know, they have about what? 50.6% possession to our 49.4 possession. Not that much difference. There really isn't. Um, they had 17 shots to our 15 shots. They had seven shots on target to our six shots on target. Um, 15 open play shots to our 11 shots. Um, they had, what, 1.9 XG to our 1.8 XG. There's not really much difference in those stats, right? But here's what the quality tells right? Here's what the quality tells. For example, they had 38 final third entries to our 65. They had 1.2 expected threat created to our 2.5. They had 25 deep touches to our 37. They had seven zone 14 touches to our 26. Quality told in the key parts of the pitch where games are decided we got a foot on the ball and we played football and we outplayed them. And that was the difference. They tried their usual get the ball wide and whipping across, hope Kane could get on it, blah, blah, blah. Fuck off. With Saliba heading the ball away, Gabriel heading the ball away, you know, Saka, Ben White, Zinchenko on the cover, they were getting nada. Ramsdale coming out to collect, they had no chance. I mean, like I said, look at our deep touches and zone 14 touches. They had nothing on us. So in the key parts of the pitch where games are won, our quality told. It was that fucking simple. And for that reason, we won the North London derby and we remain top of the table with an eight-point lead on Manchester City. And we are all but halfway through the season. My thoughts on this are very, very, very um, straightforward. I don't, I don't really refer to a title chase yet because um you know due to the world cup we're technically around where we would be in december um talk to me sort of end of feb that's when i think you could start seeing where you are because with 18 19 games to go it's too many games i've seen city go 12 13 14 games you know winning straight it, it, it's too soon for me to talk about title charges um but you're putting yourself in a position where you can you can have one and having an eight-point lead. When the Man City give you an eight-point lead, when do they do that? It's it it 
it gives you a chance. Um, and it's some of our fantastic play that allows us to 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 um, take advantage of that. For example, we've been getting better and better and better each season. Albino, um, Albino put out, we're currently 15 points better off than the equivalent fixtures from last season. You know, it, it tells you something. There are teams that we were dropping points against last season um, that we are now doing better do that we're now doing better um that we did including this game um where last season away obviously we know what happened this season we're taking the points it's fantastic really um in terms of the game the thing that was going through my mind like i said first goal wins that's how i thought about it with our style of play and their style of play if they got the early goal they just batten down the hatches we just overload and overload and get caught on the counter but if we get the first goal, they've got to come out and try and play. And they cannot see us. They can't play football. They can't. Not against us. Maybe against Portsmouth. And even then they struggled. They can't play against us. So first goal wins. We got the first goal. And I thought, yep, we keep doing what we're doing. We got them. Um, I don't know what Conte's doing at Spurs. I don't know what the game plan there is. I'm pretty certain his contract ends at the end of the season. I don't even know if he's going to stay it does beg the question, if you're Spurs, why would you invest in a Conte team if you don't know if he's going to be there? I would be curious to see who Spurs get to replace Conte if he does leave. And I say curious, I mean only partially curious because it's Spurs, so fuck them. But, you know, I mean, look, Graham Potter, for example, was having a shitty time at Chelsea. Do they back him and go for the long term, thinking they're going to do a bit of an Arteta thing? Or do they go, nah, you you ain't it. Fire um, Graham Potter and maybe Potter goes over to Spurs. I'll be curious to see kind of what happens with all of that. But to be honest, I I don't know what Spurs are doing there. You know, if you're Harry Kane and you bag the kind of goals Kane gets every season and you're just watching your career go by, playing Conte football, you must be fuming because what the fuck are you doing? If you're Hyung Min Son, who was like the golden boot winner, and now you're just there playing terribly. I mean, they need to be thankful that they have Kulisevsky because he's probably the only thing that gives them any chance of doing anything. Um, that that combination with their front three is the only thing that gives them a shot because honestly, they're fucking terrible. Otherwise, look at that midfield. You've got fucking Matt Doherty doing shuttle runs up your right. Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? You know, I don't. One of your bright sparks is Ryan Sessignon. I listen, good player, decent, but like, what are you doing with that? You know, I just, I don't know. But like I said, fuck them. What do I care? Um, Spoke about this in the preview pod as well. Spurs carried on the tradition where every time they've lost the game in the Premier League this season, the opposition scored first. Um, We scored first, Spurs lost. It's something you see regularly. But it's understandable when you consider that Spurs are rubbish and they tend to go behind a lot. Um, They do have more points than any other team in the Premier League from losing positions. But that's because they tend to be in losing positions a lot, which when you think about it, isn't actually something for them to be proud of. But it's an interesting thing nonetheless. So we we help 
we sort of found ourselves in we find ourselves in a position whereby our strength plays to their weakness. They start shit, we start strong, we get early goals, they get late ones. But because our style applies so much pressure and because we're able to exploit the space they leave in behind, our early goal forces them to try something to try and win. And anything other than just punting hopeful balls into our box leaves space for us to exploit and they do not have the place to shut us out while trying to get a goal. They just don't. They they have to make a choice. And if they come out, they're fucked. And if it stay back, they're not going to score. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I spoke again in the preview pod as well about us, our sort of spine and Saliba, Erdegaard, Eddie, um, imperious. Absolutely imperious. Saliba had a rough couple of games post-World Cup back to his best. Um, he was fantastic. Erdgaard spoke about already incredible. Want to talk a little bit about Eddie because he worked so hard in this game. He really should have got himself a goal. Um, he deserved it, but he worked so hard. He was tireless. He chased, he harried, he won balls, he connected, he linked up play, he ran in behind, he ran the channels, he did the defensive work just brilliant center forward play and when you consider our front line was put together for effectively six million pounds and this season has a combination of 21 goals 11 assists in 25 games incredible eddie hats off to you if there's anyone out there who who can't admit to themselves the development that they've seen from eddie have a word of yourself because the difference in his play from last season and the difference in his play from the season before that is incredible. He is truly becoming a Premier League striker. Now, don't get me wrong. We need Jesus back. We need the competition up front. But you tell me how much a second striker who does what Eddie does would cost. And I will tell you that thankfully we don't have to pay that. We have Eddie. He's part of our academy. There's a lot of people out there going, yeah, but we're paying him 100 grand a week, blah, blah, blah. Number one, fuck you in your pocket watching, all right? I don't care. Number two, let's think about this plainly. The man's contract was running down. To get him to sign, you have to pay him what he could get elsewhere. You're not getting Eddie to sign on 20 grand a week. It's not happening. It's just not. The, the, the price of the brick has gone up. Yesterday's price is not today's price. That's just what it is. That's how football works. And Eddie is showing just why he got the new contract, why he got the pay bump, and why he's wearing the number 14 shirt for the Arsenal. Credit to him. Fully deserved. The job's not done. Job's not finished. We're not here to celebrate in the sense of thinking like we've achieved something yet. There's something special that's available for us. There's something big that's attainable. But we have a monumental threat to achieve it. This January, the fixtures have been kind in the sense of the spacing between them, right? We get a week in between uh, Spurs and United, and we get a little less than a week between United and City. But come February, it's, you know, we got some games that are scheduled um, Thursday to Saturday, Wednesday to Saturday, Thursday to Saturday. We need reinforcements, we need new players. We need players back fit. We need Smith Rowe contributing. We need Vieira contributing. We need our squad. Eddie won't be able to play 90 minutes every single game, February to March. 
he'll break down. Martinelli can't play 90 minutes February to March, he'll break down. Saka can't play 90 minutes February to March. We won't achieve what we want if our front three, as it is now, is playing as many minutes as they've been playing and then double it. It's just not It's not going to happen. So hopefully um, we'll get some reinforcements to help as well as get some players back uh, from injury. Because if you have players like Saka, you have players playing the way Eddie is, you have players like Martinelli, you can't run them into the ground just because you're not going to invest. It's clear Arteta wants to. It's clear he's got the backing of the club. So let's just see what they're going to do. Um, despite all of that, as I said earlier, football is about these moments, though. So I'm not going to stress about what the club is or isn't doing in the transfer market just today, just in this moment. For this moment, I'm just going to enjoy the fact that we beat Spurs in the derby. And that, for now, is all that matters. In any case... That's that's how I feel about it. Get in contact. Let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what you're thinking. There's always the next game. There's always the next challenge. But I just love winning these games. I love the feeling of it. I love waking up the next day. I love looking at all of the content everyone produces. I love the tweets. I love the banter. I love the jokes. I love seeing Spurs fans in their misery. Um, you know, but just looking at what this team is doing right now is special. And I, I really have to reinforce that. I really have to to emphasize how special this is, right? What we're doing, we're eight points clear top of the table. We're playing fantastic football. We've got brilliant players, youngest average age um, in terms of the Premier League. We're being composed. We're being intelligent. We're being decisive, insightful. We're mature the football is brilliant we're defending well we're building we're creating chances we're taking them we're scoring we've got pace we've got size we've got strength we've got range of passing we've got range of movement we've got fluid do you not remember the Mustafi days the Socrates days the Lichsteiner days the Kolasinac days the Ospina days I honestly the, the Shamak days, the Yaya Sanogo days. Look at the squad we have. I mean, it's it's fantastic. And yes, at some point, there'll be some churn. Someone will have to get sold. Someone will go. But new players will come. And it's okay. And i got to tell you, for me, for now, I'm just enjoying this so much. I'm enjoying having a squad, not just a starting 11, but a squad full of players who I just enjoy watching play football. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing. So I just say to anyone listening, make sure you take a moment to enjoy it. Just enjoy it because it changes so quickly. Anything can happen. Injuries, suspensions, dips in form. You know, anything can happen. I mean, at some point, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it for the sake of saying it, you know, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, a Man City, you know, the manager walks and, Suddenly, Mikel Arteta is the hottest property on the market. Don't get it twisted. If we achieve something this season, every big team in the world is going to be looking at Mikel Arteta and saying, could this guy do something for us? That's the reality of what we're dealing with. Big teams are going to be looking at Edu and saying, could this guy do something for us? You know, people are going to be looking at Saka at Martinelli. People are going to be looking at Erdegaard. People are going to be looking at Gabriel Saliba. People are going to be looking at our team our coaches, our manager, 
our technical staff and saying, can they do something for us? Nothing lasts forever. Enjoy this because what we have right now is special. And so I just implore everyone to enjoy it. Take a moment, breathe it in, drink it in. You know, it's, it's a fantastic thing. Um, but anyway, people, like I said, get in touch. Let us know your thoughts, like repost, retweet, all of that good shit. Um, this your boy Caesar here. You know to find me on the socials at the Hybrid Club and at C Say C E A S E S A Double Y S. We'll have a preview pod for you uh, Friday or Saturday to look ahead to the United game. That one could be spicy. We owe them one for the game we should have won earlier in the season. Um, let's hope that we can get those points, get that win, keep that distance, keep that buffer, because. We've got some big games coming up in the next couple of months. And if we can maintain our level of performance, make, you know, make some additions, add to the squad, get some players back from injury, um, give some players some minutes, keep them involved. If we can keep the standard of play up, we put ourselves in a very good position by the time some of the big games roll around. But to be honest, the biggest game, the most important one, is the next one up, and that is United on the weekend. Anyway, people, that's it for me. Like I said, bask and glow the derby because we got another one coming up real soon. Take care, people, and I'll speak to you in a bit. In a bit.